I went to Africa. I had my agenda of, you know, what to teach. And, um, and as I was teaching through my agenda, somebody raised their hand and, and said, uh, um, hey, can I ask you a, um, a question or do we wait to the very end and, and those things? And my comment was, I want to teach what you guys want to hear, what you guys want to know. That's where I, that's where I want to go. I don't want to try to um, um, say, well, this is my agenda and let me shove my agenda down your throat. I'd rather have you guys say, well, this is what I would like to understand, what I'd like to know. So I'm actually trying to think of things in regards to the doctrine of God and uh, what people just really um, like to know in regards to um, that topic. So I, I came up with three different questions um, that uh, would stir some conversation um, afterwards, uh, possibly. And, uh, but it's the questions that it's like, well, I want to know how God relates to this or why God is doing this or what has taken place. And, and the three questions I put down, did, did God create evil? Uh, why does God allow evil? And does God still perform miracles would be the three things in regards to the doctrine of God. So we can have a great discussion. So as we're talking about this, think of questions. Um, Lydia, write them down. <laughs> Put them all down. And, and uh, um, as we're looking at these questions, in fact, you guys can even ask questions even during the process. You can just raise your hand. I don't mind even, even stopping. Um, but um, did God create evil? That's a question a lot of people ask. You know, did he create evil. So what's, what's the answer? As letter A is, evil is not a thing. It's the absence of God. Evil is not a thing. It's the absence of God. So we ask the question, it's even a wrong question. Did God create this thing? Well, it, it's not a thing. Evil is not a thing. What it is, it's the absence of God. Then you start thinking, what are you talking about? Well, let me go on and just give you other examples. Letter B, holes don't exist. They're the absence of substance. Okay, so what happens, you have a donut. And when you have this donut that is there, there's a hole in the middle. Well, that, that hole is not a substance. It's the absence of a donut. So in other words, the donut's missing. <laughs> so since the donut's missing in this hole, it's like, well, there's a hole there. So we describe it as something. Well, no, there's not a hole. There's an absence of a donut. That's what you should say instead of so there's a hole that goes to the donut. No, there's an absence of the donut. And the absence of a donut is known what? As, as a whole, but it, it's, not, it's not a substance, it's the absence of something. Uh, just to challenge it even further, number C is cold does not exist, it's, it's the absence um, of heat. So in other words, heat's like, heat's there, we in, enjoy heat, then all of a sudden it's like, why am I shivering, why am I cold? Well, you're not cold, it's just the absence of heat. <laughs> heat heat's gone, and as the absence of heat, you're reacting to literally, what, the absence of heat. Letter D is darkness doesn't exist either. Did you know that? It's just the absence, it's the absence of light. You know, our eyes are, are, are designed for what? Our eyes are designed uh, to see things. We are created to see things. We are created to observe things. We are created to even live in the light. But all of a sudden something takes place and everything's shut off and it's completely dark. It's actually not dark. It's just the absence of light. So it's not a thing, it's not an item, it is just the absence um, of something. Letter E, God has made us capable of choosing the absence of him. God has made us capable of choosing the, atmos, um, choosing the absence um, of him. So here God is light, um, and as he is light, we have the opportunity to, to choose him. Now. 
Why do we get the opportunity to choose him? Well, because that's the way God created us. That's the way God made us. Here is God, something good, something beautiful, something strong, something completely and entirely good. And then you have Adam and Eve um, that get a, a choice that is thrown on their shoulders. And what's the choice that's thrown on their shoulders? Do you want to be like God? <laughs> you want something more like God? Do you want to be independent? Do you actually want to just step away from God? That's all I want you to do is just step away from God. Just step away from all good. That's all I want you to do. Just step away from good. And if, if you step away from good, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be exciting. If you can just step away from all good, it would actually be better. And that is the temptation that, that took place. And then what happens when that happened, when they stepped away from the absence of good? Well, then sin entered our system, and it's consistently talked about darkness, consistently talked about darkness, and consistently talked about evil. And, and, and what is that? What is evil? What is wickedness? Evil and wickedness is what the Bible describes as something that is anti-God, that is going an absolute different direction than God is going. And this thing that is going an absolute different direction that God is going is evil, but it's also an addicting power. And in the process of the addicting power, we start digging ourselves a hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and we start pulling ourselves away from all good. Evil is not a thing. It is the absence of God. And we get to choose to be far away from him. We get to choose to step away from him. We get to choose to ignore him. We get to choose to not like him. And we can argue about that choice, but I believe that the choice of that is a choice that gives us a revelation of what intimacy is. And when it comes to intimacy is if we have to be God's son or we have to be God's daughter and refuse to make the choice, we're not that, that intimate relationship between us and God um, is not there. And that's where I would say that the reason why we've even given a choice is that we can choose all good or we can choose the absence of all good. It's not a thing. All good. Choose the absence of all good, and then what will have take place is that we'll go towards the concepts of evil. John 12, 46 says this, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness, will not embrace the darkness, choose the darkness, swallow the darkness, will actually be able to step away and see goodness um, completely and entirely um, again. So did God create evil? God created things and he looked at them and said, and it is good, and it is good, and it is good. And then Lucifer said, I want to step away from God. 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 We don't understand that choice because he could have that choice. But as he was saying, I want to step away from God, he did step away from God, and God did what? You went away from me, chucked him then again out of heaven, out of his, um, out of, um, out of his, um, I wouldn't say divine presence, but chucked him out of heaven and sent them, uh, sent them to earth. So that would be my question, or my answer to um, the question, is that evil is not a, a thing. It is the absence of God, and God has allowed us to choose something else 
besides him, and then that is called evil. You might say, well, that is no good. Well, you've got, you got to make a choice right now because <laughs> he, he died on the cross. He rose. It's your choice that we can choose him right now. So anyway, you guys can raise a hand in regards to questions to that, or else I will just keep going to a, another question. But if you want to reemphasize or ask questions off of that, uh, feel free to do so. Why does God allow evil? Yes, we got a question right here. Cindy. Uh, here comes a microphone. Watch, watch Rich jog. Oh, my goodness, you're fast. Oh, there he goes. Look at that. Look at that. How do, how do you, what's that song, Chariots of Fire? Da -da -da. No, that's Rocky. <laughs> Sorry, we got to give you a microphone because we want everybody to hear. So we're going to be like angels in heaven in the like, scriptures? Like angels in heaven? When we are risen, are we like the angels of God in heaven? Um, I wouldn't say that we're going to be like angels of God. So then... We will be in body form. Right. So we have free will and free choice in heaven. Um, I think that our eyes would be open to absolute truth. So that is a very good question. So we don't know why Satan did that while in the presence of God. We don't know why he was allowed why, to even do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he chose, mm -hmm. he had the free will, he chose to pr make himself above God. Mm -hmm. And yes, he chose to do that, that is correct. And do we have that opportunity to choose then would be the question. Yeah. This is my answer to that question, which is a very difficult question is that I'll ask it by asking a question. Could Jesus sin? Yeah. I mean, he is a man. You know, he was tempted in every way. If he was tempted in every way, you know, um, I mean, wouldn't you think that he actually probably could have sinned? And if he didn't sin, why did not Jesus sin? So the answer, I'd answer my own question I'd ask is that, Jesus was capable of sinning the same way that I'm capable of taking a gun and shooting myself in the foot. But if I took a gun and I shot myself in the foot just for the fun of it, you would all look at me and say, you're stupid. Why would you do that? That makes absolutely no logical sense. And I'm like, hey, you see how bad it is? Let me do the other foot. And then I shot myself. You would say, I'm stupid. So I would say, Jesus could sin, but he understands. Hello, stupid. Why would I choose the absence of, of God? And so we need to keep the microphone down here because I think we're getting <laughs> more questions. Um, say that one more time on the microphone just so I can hear on the, the computer. I just hope that when we are in heaven that we don't do that as mm -hmm. what Satan did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would say, personally I would say, with what is taking place, I would say that we would not. Um, I would say that sin will be, according to Scripture, sin will then be, be done away with. And I believe that our eyes will be so open, which they've never really been open before, before Lucifer, just to let you know. I mean, just in a sense of that, is that in, when Lucifer 
um, chose the absence of good, chose to step away from God, massive things were revealed. And the things that were revealed is what does it look like? Well, we look at this earth and now we can see exactly what it looks like. And we see the destruction. We see, the, we see all the evil take place. We see the ugliness that is there. But in the process of seeing the ugliness of there, and this, we're going to talk about this in regards to the wisdom of God, we see God move into the ugliness, even inside to the depths of ugliness, and show us an amazing amount of love through the ugliness, which then would be the cross. So there's a lot of revelation that's taken place in regards to planet Earth. Um, and this revelation that has taken place will be carried through eternity, and it's, it's almost like a, a new thing. <laughs> I mean, it, ha- it has to be a new thing. And, um, um, because how many times does God die? And, and if we choose not God again, you know, is God going to you know, send another Savior you know, to us in that process? So the Word of God will last forever. And what is the Word of God? It is a book. I mean, just to say it specifically, it is, it is a book, which is known as the Bible, and that will be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and we'll actually look back at, from eternity, look back and, and, and read the book. <laughs> why, do we, why would we read the book? Well, because we get to read, I mean, just to come off of my sermon a little bit, we get to read what it looked like to be engaged to God <laughs> before we were married to God. And do you know what we're going to do? Is we're going to enjoy the process of being engaged to God. Because I think that we'll actually have comments in heaven to say, God, I still can't believe you loved me when I was that bad. <laughs> I still can't believe you, you, you cared for me when I was, was that filthy. God, all that, I chose so many different things away from you, and now I see literally how stupid I am, and I would never do it again because I could see clearly now everything that has taken place, and why would I do it? But yet I did it. For 50, well, no, I would say 70 years. 70 years, that's a good lifespan. I did it for 70 years when I was on planet Earth. And then the words will come out, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I mean, we'll never stop thanking Jesus for saving us. So, um, but I do believe that sin will be done. But then we do also have the, um, the comment that why did it ever take place in the first place? Um, secret things belong to the Lord, but things revealed are inside of his word. But, you know, given as a result of what has taken place in regards to sin, we know God more than we'd ever get to know him, more than the angels have ever known him, more than anybody. In fact, when it comes to the, us being a bridegroom, we are God's gift to Jesus. I'd say, God, that's kind of a lousy gift. But no, we're actually God's reward. You went to the cross you died, and your reward is the people that has been, has been saved. And, um, and, and forever we'll praise him for that. And, uh, and know him in that concept, in that context, rather than just a context that the angel knew him, which would be in heaven, bright, light, glory, holy, holy, holy. It'd just be a completely different context. So did I answer that? <laughs> I keep on talking, you know, answer that question. But I'm, not that I could even answer that question, but that's what I think is going on. Yes. Kevin, did you have a... Oh, Charlie? I, I think I'm probably going to restate what you've kind of shared, but it, it, the words also might help Cindy. When I think of Christ not sinning, 
I think of Christ being so satisfied in his relationship with his father that sin had nothing to appeal to yeah. in him. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it offered him nothing. He already tasted fullness. Mm-hmm. And I think about our lives, the satisfaction in God's love, and then some sin is offering us something. There are many sins that do not appeal to us mm-hmm. because of how we are satisfied with God. Mm-hmm. And so in heaven, with perfect satisfaction of us seeing him in full and being changed to be like him and enjoy that, I don't know how it would appeal to us mm-hmm. as what yeah. you've stated. But I do not understand what it had to appeal to Satan, except it said pride. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a confusing thing is the pull, the appeal that it had to yeah. fall from relationship with God. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't get that. Yeah, that is, it's an interesting piece. And when we do talk about the wisdom of God, um, what did Satan want? You know, I am beautiful. You know, I am powerful. I am, I am wonderful. And this is what power looks like. This is what beauty looks like. This is what majesty looks like. I will, I will, I will. So he had wanted all this. And what's interesting is that Jesus redefined all of it. He, you know, you think beauty is this? No, beauty is this. There's nothing in my appearance that man desired. That's what beauty. I'm giving you a whole brand new beauty. You think beauty is this, Satan? No, actually, I'm going to redefine beauty to show what beauty is. You think power is this? No, it's actually not. That's not power anymore. Power is actually being a servant. Power is actually now sacrifice. So he starts to redefine everything. And if you look at everything, and this is what we're going to do on wisdom, everything Satan wanted and everything Jesus did was complete opposite. I mean, it was, it was a complete mockery to everything that he wanted. And remember what everything that Satan wanted was everything that God was already, and then God showed another side. And he redefined everything, which is actually redefined under the context of, of love, of sacrifice, of, of commitment, of, you know, all those all those things that um, God couldn't show if evil never came into this world. Because you can't sacrifice if there's no evil. <laughs> you sacrifice. You just do what I tell you to do, just like the angels would do. There was a question that was asked last week. And uh, the question, I think I, I got it wrong. I should have answered a little bit different. I do that often. think, well, was that a right answer? <laughs> but, um, and, and we don't know this answer exactly. But the question was, I think it was, I think it was you, Lydia, the question was asked that it was, um, um, were we created when evil took place? And I would say, I think so, is what I would say. So in other words, I th- if, you, if you look at Genesis of what's taking place, they're 24-hour days, and I know they're 24-hour days, but they're long days. There's a lot going on in those days that are taking place. It's just interesting that Jesus or that God took Satan and threw him down to earth. It was almost a process of, I mean, I am wrong, and I'm probably just adding things into Scripture, a process that there might have been an argument over earth, you know, six days creation that has taken place. you got the six days taking place, and then all of a sudden you have Satan, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, and then God takes him and throws him down to, to earth. So he was actually thrown down 
you know, maybe, I does not say specifically, but thrown down on day eight, or maybe it was day, afternoon of day, no, it wasn't afternoon of day seven because God rested on, on day seven. But you don't know the timing that took place there, but I would almost say, you know, could be wrong, is that we were, Adam and Eve were on earth when Satan was removed. Um, and earth might even be in the argument that, that, that they're fighting over. We are made in God's image, you know. Um, Jesus will be in eternity inside of a in body, a spiritual body that will, would live forever. Um, this, these bodies, these, these things, um, they're going to be in eternity. I mean, hands, fingers, you know, the, these bodies, spiritual bodies. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. You know, there's a lot of mystery to these bodies. But when Jesus came back, he was in body form, and we, I believe that we'll worship him in regards to body form. And people say, well, you know, how are we, are we going to travel the universe? You know, there's a lot that's out there. And if we are going to travel, you know, how are we going to travel? And, you know, one explanation is we well, can travel the speed of thought, but you'll still be in a body. You know, who knows what's going to take place? Um, just a lot of good things are going to take place. But made in God's image means that we are in body. And um, so I think there's a lot going on with that in regards to Satan and God's argument, possibly, you know, that, that took place. And then God did everything here. I mean, ask the question, how many times does God die, you know? How many times is God going to die in his existence of eternity? Probably not very often. <laughs> Probably once. And, uh, and it was at the cross, and it was for a stupid person like me. So it's, there's a lot, lot going on that's there. Why does God um, allow evil? Good question. So let's just put ourselves in, in God's shoes and say, okay, I he wants to get uh, rid of evil. And let's just put it in the context of, of us. If he wants to get rid of evil, we need to give him some um, advice because he actually can do it if he does a couple things. Letter A, God can get rid of evil by demanding that we choose him slash good 100% of the time. Um, he, can, he can do that. All he has to do is completely um, control um, all of our decisions. And, uh, and then if he controls all of our decisions 100% of the time, then actually evil will reside because then all of a sudden we'll just be gravitated towards him. Well, that's exactly what he had in heaven with his angels. There was no evil. They were gravitated towards him. And then we see that there is all of a sudden a choice and then Lucifer arises and, and those things are taking place. But as we're on earth, we want to say, God, you need to get rid of evil. Well, God's not going to control us 100% of the time. And we don't want God to control us 100% of the time because what do we want to do? We want to often even sin. If we wanted God to control us 100% of the time, why don't we allow him to control us 100% of the time? But we, we don't. That is one way you can get rid of evil. The next way you get rid of evil is God get rid of evil if he just... Um, I'm sorry, get rid of evil. I have a typo, is there a typo in that one too? Better be, I can get rid of evil, he just needs to um, change everyone's personality and make sure uh, that we are not individuals making our own choices. Um, that's the other way that he can get rid of evil. But again, we would um, definitely argue with God in regards to that because we're supposed to be, you know, act like we're more powerful than God um, anyway, so how can we really blame him if this is where um, we want we want to be, because we do want to be individuals. We do want to be individuals that um, um, are even loved by God and not all the same individuals, be different personalities. 
Letter C, God can get rid of evil. He just needs to uh, compensate for people's actions through divine intervention. Again, 100% of the time. And then evil will be done. Letter D, God can get rid of evil by removing people who commit evil acts. That means God would need to get rid of me and God would need to get rid of you and he should have got rid of Adam and Eve the second that they did that but that is the other method to get rid of evil is God just got to wipe everybody out so when we say well God how come you're not getting rid of evil we're actually putting our heads on the chopping block and say God take me out is, is kind of the same statement that you would have because I carry evil inside of my heart with evil, even evil intent Letter E is those who get into heaven are the ones who desired to be there. I believe that that is the answer why evil is not even wiped out, is that we can get there by how? By a simple word, God, I want to go. That's it. <laughs> I mean, God, I believe. That, that's it. You know, God, please take me as your child. I mean, we're not getting there by works. We're getting there by the desire. So if you look at heaven, everybody is going to be in heaven that wants to be there. And if somebody is not going to be in heaven, it's because they didn't want to be there. So we literally, Rich, we got a hand um, up. We literally um, get to choose. And we even get to choose right now on what you want to do. You want to get there by the blood of the lamb, or do you want to reject God and say, I don't like the things of, that you're doing, therefore I'm not going to get there. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. We had a hand right there. Um, I don't want to do it. So it's interesting when you look, do look at heaven, is that everybody's going to be in heaven is going to want to be there and want to be um, connected with God. Yeah. Um, my take on sin is, or evil, I should say, is um, God uses evil to refine us um, because the, the, it's those trials and the evil that is in the world that draws to him. And um, if you go back to the verse that you, we're in the refiner's fire, um, when a refiner refines his metal, he puts it in the hottest part of the fire. He never leaves his metal that he's working on. And it is only finished when he can see his reflection in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I heard that, I thought, that's, that's so cool. Um, one other thought I had when we were getting back to um, from Satan is I thought his lies have not changed. Mm -mm. The lies that he told Adam and Eve in the garden are the same exact lies that we're being fed today. And then the other thought I had was on us what we will be like in heaven. And it says, the verse you just used in the sermon, we will be like him. And then there's another verse that says that we will judge the angels. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was kind of exactly interesting. Right, yeah. yeah. That, is, that, is, that is interesting. It's, it is interesting that God uses everything ugly even for his benefit. I mean, you don't want to use, um, you know, death you know, for um, a blessing, yet it is the ultimate blessing to every human being that Jesus died. I mean, he just took what Jesus says, or what Satan says, I've got them. And God's like, no, you don't. I will take your tools, and I will show you that you have nothing with your own tools. 
And, um, and I think Satan is pretty consistent just by even just consistently saying what you do, are saying evil is, is out there. And Satan's like, I own them. And all of a sudden God's saying, no, you don't. You're, you're, just, not, you're just refining them. <laughs> I'm, I'm using exactly what you intend to destroy. I'm actually using it for good. And um, so God is, is, um, is just is, is using. Um, I read a book that, um, um, I mean, it's going to sound you know, crazy, but Satan is God's um, demon. Oh, boy, I forgot the books. I want to I say it right. Satan is God's devil. <laughs> in other words, in, in regards to God's in control of absolutely everything, and Satan believes that he's in control, and he is not in control whatsoever, and his actions and his work is actually refining people, building people, making people, because God is using those things um, that he thinks is destroying that are actually not destroying. Just like in the book of Job, what did he do? Curse God and die, curse God and die, curse God and die. Well, all the way through the book of Job, we've been reading it for 3,000 years now, and no, actually about 4,000 years, and in the process of reading the book of Job, we see exactly the glory of God, that he, everything was taken away from Job except God. And so he used all the ugliness to make it uh, good and rich. So, yes, Rick? He did the same thing with the three temptations of Christ. He turned them back on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on with Satan and God, the secret things belong to the Lord. That's my best verse. <laughs> the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed are belong to us. I think there's a lot going on, and we're just sitting in the middle. That's it. With Satan and with God, and in fact, I think we're, we're, as, we're as fight, and, um, and we're, just, we're just in the middle receiving the blessing, but a lot, a lot is happening. John 3, 16 we get to choose. For God so loved the world, it's already there. I already loved you. I already died for you. It is a gift. The engagement ring is being handed to you, and all you need to do is say, yes, God, I will take you. That's all we need to do. Yes, God, I desire you to be with you for eternity. Yes, God, I want this. All you need to do. For those God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life with him. Nobody will be in heaven that did not choose it. Now, I don't want to go in depth because I don't have all my scripture to, to prove this, but I do want to uh, say the words, through the tribulation, uh, what is taking place through the tribulation is all these bad things are happening. People are shaking their fists at God. They're, they're, they're hating God. Through all the pain and through all the suffering, tribulation to those who have rejected God makes them hate God more and more, just like evil for those who reject God, makes them hate God more and more and more and more and more because of the evil that, that is there. So it's really about choosing him or not choosing him. And then I would go as far um, to say in Luke that those who um, are in hell um, are not begging to even um, to get out. And that's what C.S. Lewis is saying. Hell is literally grace completely and entirely Removed, And as grace is completely, and goodness completely entirely removed, does that make us into a better person? No, it actually makes us into a worse person where we are fuming hate in the process of even um, of being in hell. And if you look at um, the passage in, in Luke where you have the rich man and then you have Lazarus um, that is in there, you, you'll see that the rich man never pleads to get out. He just pleads to get Lazarus in. That's all he's trying to do is, is, is um, he's angry that Lazarus 
is not there. But he doesn't say, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out, get me out. He says, it's torturous. It is, it is just wet my tongue. Take care of me. But he never says, get me out. Why? Because grace completely entirely uh, removed. God completely entirely removed. All goodness is now gone. Darkness and evil is there. Um, we can go back on questions in regards to this. As questions um, hopefully are being uh, thought about just really fast. Does God still perform miracles? Uh, we're going to talk about this at length when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, because it's, it's a really good question. And, um, and some people might disagree with me. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of churches disagree with me, and I think even the charismatic movement would really uh, disagree with me. Um, but uh, that's all right. I'm not throwing stones over there, and, and, and I just, um, this is just what I believe in regards to miracles. Number A is, when it comes to miracles, there are fewer in the Bible than we think there are, and there are more happening today than we can imagine. It says in Psalms, remember the miracles of old. Who said that? David did. What was he doing? Saying, remember the miracles of Moses. <laughs> in other words, God exists. Remember the miracles of old. Well, if he's going to say, remember the miracle of old, he's thinking, well, miracles aren't happening as aggressively as they're happening in Moses' day. And that's why he was pointing back to be able to say, remember the miracles of of old. So when we look at the Bible, we say all these miracles are just happening consistently and, and, and constantly, and, and we can just see them all the way through um, the Bible. Well, you see them aggressive um, in Moses' time, very aggressive in Moses' time. You see them, you see them take um, aggressive in Elijah's time. You see, you know, I'm talking about the, the radical, the radical miracles. Um, Elijah um, has um, some miracles. And then you see them obsessively aggressive in Jesus' time. Um, absolutely obsessively um, aggressive. But when you look at the whole Bible, you've got a lot of years that, that, um, that you don't see the radical miracles. In fact, you have 400 years where God did not even communicate. He's been given the Old Testament. In between the Old Testament and the New Testament, nothing is happening. The Old Testament says there's a Messiah coming, and then all of a sudden he's quiet for 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400 years, people are saying, God, you said Messiah. Now I'm, you're, I don't even hear any prophets anymore speaking. And that's the silence in, the old, in, in between the old and, new, uh, old and New Testament. Then you hear John the Baptist say, um, uh, come the, prepare ye the way of the Lord. All of a sudden, John the Baptist comes, and, and then here comes the Lord and in that process. Then you get the, the New Testament. So you're not getting a lot of miracles, and in some places you're even getting more quiet, more solitude. But there's fewer in the Bible than we think there is, and there's more happening than, than we can even imagine. So do I believe in miracles? Absolutely, I believe in miracles. And I think miracles are happening more than you can possibly imagine, but they're more subtle. I believe that they're completely and a lot more subtle than they were um, back then. So in other words, I'm being a pastor, hey, if you want to be healed, come forward. You know, I, we don't do that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I touch them and, and, and then they're healed. You know, that process is not play, taking place at Jefferson Baptist Church. And why is that process not taking place? Is because I disagree with that process. And the reason why I'd say I disagree with that process is because if that took place under my hand and under my command, under Jesus' name, people would still not see Jesus. They would see me. 
They would still not see Jesus. They would see me. And what would they say? We've got to get to Mike to get the miracles that are done. And that's what's taking place in Africa is they have cued people that are performing miracles. And those cued people are the holy ones. And the cross of Christ then gets rarely spoken about. When the cross of Christ should be everything that is spoken about. So that's what I believe in miracles that fewer in the Bible, and, uh, and then there's more happening today than we could possibly imagine. Letter B, miracles did not increase people's faith during the times of Scripture, and they would not increase people's faith um, today. Um, Israel, they did what? <laughs> Complained, and they whined, and they cried, and they bickered to Moses. And what did Moses say? Don't you remember at the Red Sea? Don't you remember how we got led out of Egypt? It's like, don't you understand your faith in God? Don't you understand your trust in God? Haven't you seen the works of his hand? It did not um, increase their faith. And then even in uh, miracles in Jesus' time, those who rejected God, it did not increase their faith. The Pharisee says, they're doing miracles. We need to kill them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, because he's the answer. And we don't like the answer. So therefore, we gotta get rid of him. We gotta, because he's gonna, change, he's gonna change everything. So, for those who are watching them, observing them, started you know, following them as a result um, of that. And then those who did not like them started hating them as a result of that. So miracles that were taking place um, when Jesus was on earth uh, was kind of mixed feelings between the unsaved and, and not saved. And so then you want to ask the question, well, then what was miracles for? Let us see. Miracles, um, oh, actually, no, I'm not there yet. I'm sorry. I, I, I skipped forward a little bit. Oh, skip forward a little bit too much. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop that piece of it. Say miracles did not increase people's faith during the times of scripture, and they would not increase people's faith today. And I'll just leave it right there. Letter C. Miracles put me as being the first love in God, nothing more than just being a slot machine. We are so hungry for health. We're so hungry for prosperity, and um, and as a result of us hunger for that. We're looking for people to perform miracles, which would be, I'm going to that person, therefore I'd be a slot machine, that they would say, okay, am I gonna get something out of? Or make God into a slot machine, okay, now I can get something out of. But what is driving that? The thing of, that is driving that is our motives and our desires. This is what I want from God. Hear those words, this is what I want from God. The difference between this is what I want from God is, I would say, a wrong statement. I would say, this is what I want. I want God. That would be a correct statement. And that is exactly where God wants to drive us to in regards to our relationship with him. I don't want this from God. I just want God. As David says, you are my portion. Um, the purpose of miracles was to authenticate um, the performer of the miracles. That's why Jesus did his miracles in the first place. Jesus was what? He was going to die for the sins of the earth, of the world. And um, as a result of dying for the sins of the world, they wanted to say, he is God. In the process of saying he is God, he was authenticized by what he did in regards to miracles. Acts 2.22 says it. This is Peter who is preaching the sermon at Pentecost says these words, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God, how was he attested? With miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him 
in your midst, just as you yourselves know. And then he moves down. This is who Jesus is. He did the miracles. You saw the miracles. You saw his power. You saw his glory. And then he says these words. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, put an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So he says, here's Jesus, the one that did all the miracles, and they were there to say he was God. That one that did all those miracles, you, human beings, put him to death, put him into the grave, but it's impossible to keep him down. Why? Because he is God, the Savior of the world. Therefore, God then raised him up. And then all of a sudden, the apostles declared that message. In the process of declaring that message, through the book of Acts, they were known as apostles. Miracles were taking place as well. Paul's handkerchiefs would save people, would, would heal people. And, and there's miracles. People were being resurrected. Miracles were taking place in the book of Acts. But why were they taking place in the book of Acts? is because they were attested to as apostles that carry the message, which apostle means, I saw Jesus alive after they killed him, and then therefore it credited the apostles with the writing of the word. And then in that process, miracles are still happening, but radical, I believe radical miracles are not um, consistently happening at the, mark, um, uh, at the mark of our words. Yes, Rich. So are miracles then uh, more to validate uh, what we already believe and to encourage the believers? It's, it's to open our eyes to see that God is there and that God works, that God hears, and that God answers prayer. So there is that validation that takes place, and I'd use that word validation as the prime premise of, of even miracles that take place. Our eyes open, oh my goodness, God does listen to me. Oh my goodness, God does answer prayer. Oh my goodness, God does offer grace. He does offer healing. But it always points to the relationship with God and not the relationship with the performer or the relationship in a work to follow. Uh, because we can get addicted to things out there rather than to God himself. Okay, this is from Matthew 6, uh, verse 4. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and among his own relatives and his own household. And he could do no miracle there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he wondered at their unbelief. So the lack of miracles because the lack of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, it depends on your definition of what a miracle is. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that you cannot explain. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe in the word coincidence. Mm -hmm. I get angry at people that are believers, especially strong believers, that, um, you know, I share something that the Lord has done, and it's like, whoa, well, that was a coincidence. Um, my, one of my favorite quotes, my husband gets tired of me saying it, is from A.W. Tozer, and he says, those who do not expect God to move will discount him when he does. And to me, it's just sad that um, God can perform something um, you might, you may not even say it's a miracle. Like, like the first Sunday we came back here last January, when we drove out of the church and where we had been going because of COVID and fear, I had spiritually felt oppressed. And as we drove out of the driveway here, there were two bald eagles flying in a circle right outside the driveway. And I said, 
that's the Lord. That's a blessing from the Lord, you know, the I, Isaiah 40, 10, you know. And I was just thinking, what a blessing that is that he gave it to me. Now, if I would have discounted that and thought, oh, that's just cool, you know. But it, when we discount that, we just miss the blessing. And I just think that's really sad. Yeah. I would define a miracle, and it's going to be exactly the same as yours, is um, divine intervention. Cannot be explained. In fact, God went through and, and, and broke the laws of nature. And in the process of breaking the laws of nature, um, something happened by the, hand, by the hand of God. And um, are those things taking place? Consistently taking place. But I think every miracle that, can, that happens, which you just mentioned, you know, miracles that happen, every miracle that happens, it's more about our reaction to it in regards to it even being done. I was reading the, the book of Psalms, and as I was reading the book of Psalms, there's this like constant commands, you know, in the book of Psalms. And you know what the ultimate command is? Give thanks. <laughs> thank, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the, uh, just, just constantly give thanks to the Lord. It's like, what, what kind of relationship are we supposed to have? Are we supposed to do with God? God's got to tell us what to do. He says, just thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me, thank me. So through that process is, what does a miracle do? Thank you, God. For your existence. Thank you, God, for being good. Thank you, God, for listening. Thank you, God, for answering prayers. Thank you, God, for being God. And you are literally thanking God. Um, a lot of people um, um, hate God, and the reason why is because their object is not necessarily to thank God. Their object is to receive something from God, uh, which would be, and I, I react to this a lot because I work in Africa, um, a lot, but uh, a lot of that, what can we get out of God rather than get God? A miracle will only be given to get God if it's a genuine miracle, and this is what I did it for. And uh, I mean, there might be miracles that are given that are not, but if they're going to go wrong direction, then that miracle will be a curse. So miracles are supposed to drive us towards the embrace of God rather than towards God's hand. It's supposed to drive us towards his heart, not his hand, but his hand, I would say, would be a miracle. And when we start to feed off of his hand, then we come up short. Because why would you want his hand and not have his heart? And see, that's where, that's where the, the pieces of it, when we do talk about miracles, is, is that heart given or is it a hand that I'm hungry for? And I think it's a, it's a constant reminder to us that God did not send his son to die for us and then that was it. Yeah. You know, I mean, when he performs things like that, it's just a reaffirming his love for us. And recently our daughter who was raised to love the Lord has turned her back completely on him and as I prayed God do whatever you need to do to bring her back to you I prayed even if it's taking my life and it was at that point I said that that I thought wow that's exactly what he did for me and what a blessing that trial, as we talk about the evil again, drawing us to God, what a blessing that trial was, even though I'm still praying for her to come to the Lord. You know, and God can use anything to draw us to him, to refine us, and to open our eyes to how much he really loves us. We can't even comprehend the love he has for us, and we did nothing to deserve that. Nothing. Absolutely, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in the context, um, I believe that somebody coming to Jesus is just an absolute miracle. 
I mean, I, I believe that is divine intervention um, that does take place. And that's a, a miracle that we pray for, a miracle that we ask. And uh, God's going to do that. God's going to do that work. I'm working with somebody right now that I just, I just want him to know Jesus. Part of my family. I just want him to know Jesus. And um, they even grew up in the church, um, but through the process of growing up in the church, they hate Jesus. You know, they just, I just do not like him. And it's like, yeah, but if you only get to see him for what he's done and for who he is, you, just, you would fall in love with him. And that takes a miracle because we're so focused, so self-centered that we move in towards ugly, ugly directions. All right. Look at the time. It's about 10 after. One last question. Yeah, Ryan will do one more. So my question is, does the Father do any of the judging? And then I do have a side question, which is, should we honor the Father as much as the Son? Oh, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, no, I can hear you. I okay. can hear you pretty good. Um, uh, God, put, the God the Father put Jesus as, as the judge. So um, he, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, um, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, again, I would say that moves really close with the Trinity, because every time I say God, I'm even talking about Jesus. And when I say God, I'm also talking about the Father. When I say God, I'm even talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, but I also believe that there's only one God. Um, so when, he, when it comes to um, different pieces of roles, uh, we'll even discuss the roles that, um, that, each, of them, that each of them have. You know, because there is, there's different roles that each of them are taking um, in regards to their position as one, as one God. But I'd also say I believe there's one God, but then there's three. So when I say, yes, God will judge, well, what that means is that God, Jesus, will, will judge. But God the Father judged Jesus for our sins. Well, maybe God does judge because our judgment that God put was then put on Jesus, but then he handed it to him. So, yes, it, 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 can, get, it can get confusing. Um, and I have to watch it when I talk, too, because... Um, a lot of times, you know, I just talk about the Trinity. I believe it, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And people are going, whoa, wait, wait a second. You know, trying to find those, those pieces of it is that um, it, it needs to be ironed out, lined up, and, and discussed, and, and even talked about. Um, but uh, we'll definitely look at the different roles that have been given to them um, and, and where they're at in those, those different roles. But... But there's still one. <laughs> uh, all right, sounds good. You guys are dismissed. Thanks for coming.